Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 this morning is where we're going to be. Continuing our series, Encounters with God. Acts chapter 9. Very familiar passage to many of us concerning who was actually Saul, who eventually was renamed the Apostle Paul. We're going to be in that, uh, reading several verses from that. This morning there was a young man, his name was Marco, uh, from Brazil, and uh, he was just absolutely just distraught. He had had a four-year relationship with his girlfriend, and, and uh, she broke it off. Basically, she said, you know what, we're done here, and uh, for whatever reasons, and so he tried to win her back with a, a gesture of great devotion. So what he ended up doing was he crawled on his knees, true story, crawled on his knees for nine miles. He took pieces of, of tire and put them around his knees, and he literally crawled nine miles to Santos, Brazil. And as he was crawling, the motorists were you know, honking their horns and bicyclists were ching, 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 you know, and they're waving at him, go, man, go, you know, they're trying to encourage him a little bit. And, and uh, for 14 hours, it took him to eventually reach her home in Santos, Brazil. He was cheered, he was encouraged, but when he reached the end of the marathon of love, going all that way, he was exhausted, and this 19-year-old young woman of his dreams was not impressed one bit. In fact, she had intentionally left the house so that she didn't have to look at him anymore. Now, what happened, I have no idea, but he went through all that trying to uh, impress her hoping to win her devotion back. And you know, a lot of people are like that with God. We do all these good things hoping to impress God. There was a picture taken by the Canadian press. There was a photo of a man from Havana, Cuba, who was trying to appease God's wrath. And he was lying on, down on his back on a dirt road. And he had attached to his ankle a large chain. And that chain was several feet long. And at the end of that chain, he attached a rock to it. And he crawled with that chain and that rock. And in the caption, it explains that the bearded man just inched his way, pulling that rock on a pilgrimage to a sanctuary dedicated to St. Lazarus. And the thing was, he was trying to appease God with what he was doing, although it was misguided and it was very sincere. And a lot of people are like that today. Very sincere in what they do, but they're misguided in their, in their fortunes and in their abilities to try to win God's favor. And that's exactly what we're dealing here with Saul. This was Saul. He thought he was doing a great work for God. He thought he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. The religious leaders had tasked him with the responsibility of going from house to house and synagogue to synagogue and capturing the Christians, the Jesus followers, the disciples, and bringing them back and imprisoning them and even murdering them. They hated and killed Jesus, so therefore they hated and wanted to imprison in and kill anyone of his followers. But of course that task was going to be impossible because in Acts chapter 2, we find as we look at the context of this passage, when we, we speak of supernaturally changed, and that's the title of our message today, supernaturally changed, we see in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 people were saved and baptized. In chapter 4, verse number 4, we find that 5,000 people believed. 
So people were believing all the, over the place. The, the church was just exploding, and the religious leaders were wringing their hands. They were wondering, what in the world are we going to do about this? So then in chapter number 4 of the book of Acts, the persecution begins, and it began with Jesus, but it didn't stop there. The persecution increased with Jesus' message just catching on like wildfire and spreading like crazy. The people were praying. They were filled and, uh, with the Holy Spirit of God, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And in chapter 9 and verse number 1, look at chapter 9 and verse number 1. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And you see in verse number 2, after he goes to the high priest, he asks for some letters from the high priest, basically allowing him to go into the synagogues and hunt these people down. Basically, what he was looking for was search warrants and arrest warrants. I want to get these people. we got to get these people off the streets. we got to get them out of, their syna- out of our synagogues. They're preaching this name of Jesus. We've got to take them out. We've got to take them out. So Saul is breathing these threats and these murders. In fact, he, he, it, Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 22, verse number 4, it said that he, Saul, persecuted this way. The word way there is a capital W. In other words, the Jesus way. Because he said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. He persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison. Basically, Saul was a religious radical. In today's terms, you ready? Saul was a terrorist. Saul was the Al-Qaeda back then, okay? He was the Boko Haram. Place to place, house to house, synagogue to synagogue, find the Christians, catch them, kill them. That's what he did. That was his job. Then came this little trip he decided to take. He decided, he was instructed, he had to go to the city of Damascus. And he's traveling down this road to Damascus, the Damascus Road, and guess what? He had an encounter with God. King Jesus shows up. Today in our messages, we look at what, it, what does it mean to be supernaturally changed by the Spirit of God. You know, so many today claim to be Christians, but act nothing like Christ. Would you agree with that? I mean, they're all over the place. In fact, not only all over the place, they're even in the churches. They'll, they'll smile and look good coming in, and they'll carry their family value, you know, and they'll go, God bless you, amen, Lord bless you. And as soon as they walk out, before they get out of the parking lot, they're cussing somebody out, amen? I mean, I've heard it happen before. Any of y'all ever played church league softball? Mm-hmm. There's some stuff that goes on there, amen, and you kind of wonder, wait a minute, this is what league again? Church league, really? You know? Because you've got to wonder whether people truly, even though they call themselves Christians, whether they've truly been supernaturally changed by God. The world drives what they do. The world drives where they go, how much they spend, where they stay, how long they stay. And it really doesn't matter what the church is doing. It's, uh, it's, it's the, I've got my own thing. I've got my own schedule. I've always said, you know, and, and my wife knows this, that I'll never uh, sacrifice minister, my family on the altar of ministry. But you know what? As believers, a lot of believers today, some believers sacrifice ministry on the altar of family, or they sacrifice ministry on the altar of possessions, or they sacrifice ministry on the altar of possessions and fun and relationships. And I'm not against any of those things, but when we get right down to it, folks, the thing that should be happening is the gospel should be moving forward. Amen? The gospel, the church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. 
Well, sometimes people are scratching their heads going, you know what, they're, really, they're Christians? Okay. And a lot of people have this mindset, well, I go to church on Sunday, therefore, and it goes way beyond that. Today I want to share with you three aspects of this story concerning Saul and how he was supernaturally changed. Have you been supernaturally changed, church? I sure hope so, because that's where it all begins. Number one, I want you to see the salvation of Saul, the salvation of Saul. Look at chapter 9 and verse number 3. In fact, if you would, stand with me out of respect to God's word. Let's read just a couple of verses we're going to read this morning, and then we'll get right into the message. Chapter 9 and verse 3, it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. In other words, he was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there uh, without sight, neither ate nor drank for three days. Father, bless this reading and preaching and teaching of the Word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a light. He's just minding his own business, doing his job, and he's on his way to Damascus. And there's a light. There's a voice. There's direct communication with Saul, and guess who it is? King Jesus. He just decided, isn't it great when Jesus shows up? We just love it when Jesus shows up. In verse 4, he says, why are you persecuting me? You know, I, I wonder, it, it could have been in a quiet, you know, we'd say, well, Jesus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I don't think so. You know why? Because it says that others heard it, but they didn't see anybody. So what is, was it a loud, booming voice? I don't know. But it was loud enough for everybody to hear, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting my people? And Saul's response, who are you, Lord? Now, he knew he was speaking to God, but he wasn't quite making the connection yet. And in verse number five, we see he says, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus. Did you get that? The very one that he was persecuting, which, by the way, Jesus said, anything you do to the least of these, you've done to me, right? Matthew chapter 25. He's getting Saul's attention, and Saul, he's making the connection. Wait a minute. This one whom I'm persecuting, this one whose followers I'm imprisoning, arresting, imprisoning, and killing, it really is God. This Jesus really is God. So what happens here in his salvation of Saul is he finally, he makes the connection. And how do we know that? Look at verse number six. He was trembling and astonished. I mean, well, put yourself in Saul's shoes. You're just doing your job. You're going the road, going down there to Highway 60, just doing, doing your own business. And all of a sudden, a voice comes out from nowhere directly speaks to you. You don't know where it's coming from other than the heavens. You don't see anybody. It's a bright light. You're blinded. And it says, hey, James. Hey, Antonio. Have I got your attention, Billy? Amen? 
Would you be, would you, would you be astonished and trembling? I might be running, amen. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But this is, this is Saul. And he says, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And then Jesus says what? I am Jesus. You just called me Lord. I am Jesus, the Lord. He makes the connection that Jesus is the Lord. Hold your finger here. Go with me to Romans 10 real quickly. Hang a right from where we're at. Romans chapter number 10. Verse number 9. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Some of your translations will say that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? Next church, next four words, church. What does it say? You will be what? Saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, making the connection that Jesus Christ is the Lord. End of discussion. Amen? And that's the, the conclusion Saul comes to here. He realizes the very one he's been persecuting all along is the very God that he's going to have to stand before one day. And I believe at that very split second when, G, when he said, I, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus. Right away, he, I, I could just imagine in my own spirit, I'd be going, uh-oh, not good. You really are God. You really are the Lord, by the way. What do we do before the Lord, the Master? What do we do? We bow before him. We submit to him. We give him honor. We exalt him. We give him praise. And right away, the salvation of Saul takes place. Salvation is there, church. Salvation is there. He, Jesus has made salvation available when he died on the cross. He died on that cross, and Saul wasn't ready to accept it until he came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. Trembling and astonished. He doesn't say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He says, Lord. What does that, does that tell you about Saul? He just submitted to the Lordship of Christ. He just received Christ as his Savior. If you've never received Christ, you know, a lot of people, and we were talking about this in our faith builders class this morning, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll tell you, well, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus, and of course, we know the book of James, Jesus' half-brother James said what? You do well if you say those things. The demons believe too, but they don't submit, and a lot of people will tell you today that they believe in Jesus, and they believe in God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were saved. Saul believed in God. But he didn't understand fully what that meant until he came face to face with Jesus himself. And that salvation was there to be had. Salvation was there to be taken. I know all of you at some time or another are, are adults in here, are, are parents and families. Uh, you've gotten in the mail sometimes. You know those credit card applications? You've been pre-approved for $15,000 or whatever it is, right? 
And I remember as a kid, we'd get some of those things in the mail. Not, you know, I, one of my things I love to do was go to the mailbox and get the mail. You know? So I'd go in and I'd go, Dad, look, we can get $20,000. Now, as an adult now, I'm like, yeah, right. We all know what that means, right? But still, they tell you, you're pre-approved up to. But what's the thing you have to do in order to get that credit or to get, in order to get that money? You have to fill out the information, right? Either send it in or go online, right? you got to fill out the information and submit that, and then they give you the credit. Then they give you the money or whatever that they're promising you. And that is just like salvation. Jesus has offered salvation. He's given it there to you. He's provided. He's saying, here it is. The question is, are we willing to fill out the bottom line and say, you know what? I'll take it. Amen? I'll take it. And that's when, as, as believers in Christ, I remember back for me when I was 12 years old, at that point, you know, before that, I was like, okay, yeah, I believe in Jesus, yeah, I believe in God, and, and yeah, I go to church, and, and yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I just kind of didn't think a thing about it. And then one day, actually it was night, and it was a Thursday night at camp, when I decided, after my pastor got through preaching this message about the hell that was going to take place on earth in the last days, I said, brother, I don't want anything to do with that. Jesus, please save me. Amen? That's what it is. It's calling out to the Lord and saying, you know what? I, you know, when we speak of the Lord and submitting to the Lord, submitting to the Master, the curios of our lives, what he's speaking of there is turning from ourselves and turning to him. That's called Repentance. Change of mind, turning from our sin and ourself and turning to him. That is what Saul just took place in Saul's life. He got gloriously saved, born again, redeemed, declared righteous, justified. Call it what you want. But Saul met Jesus and, praise God, accepted Jesus. Amen? And that is what every one of us has to have here today. Listen, you may know God, you may know about God, but the answer to the question is this. How well do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you had a time in your life when you've crawled out to him and said, God, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, you are my Savior. I believe in you. You are the Son of God. Please come into my life and save me. I cannot save myself. I cannot do enough good deeds to satisfy you. Please come into my life and save me. I follow you with my life. That is basically what happened here with Saul as he came face to face with Jesus. That's the salvation of Saul. Secondly, I want you to see the transformation of Saul. Look at verse number, uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 10 through 18. I'm just, I'll just, for, lack, for uh, lack of time, let me just kind of fill you in verses 10 through 16. This guy comes to the picture. Remember now, Saul has just met Jesus. He's blinded. He's being taken away by some of these guys to Damascus. Okay. In the meantime, as they say, oh, part of the backstory is here. At the same time, Ananias, this disciple of the Lord, he is praying, and the Lord shows up to him in a vision, and he says, "Ananias, yes, sir. Ananias, I got a job for you. There's a guy who's going to be brought to you. He's going to be uh, at the house of Judas, and I need you to go to the house of Judas, and I need you to find him. This guy, his name is Saul. He's blind. I need you to restore his sight." But I need you to go find him because he is going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. By the way, church, let me ask you all a question. Are you glad somebody took the gospel to the Gentiles? Yeah. Amen. You better say amen to that because as far as I know, we're all Gentiles in here. Now, if you're a Jew in here, we praise God for Jews too. Amen. Because King Jesus died for all of us. Amen. Jews and Gentile alike. 
all right? But nonetheless, that was the job there. And Ananias was like, whoa, ho, ho, ho. Time out, Lord. Did I hear you right? You want me to go greet Saul? Saul of Tarsus. Uh, Lord, um, I've heard what this guy's been doing. He's been arresting Christians. He's been imprisoning Christians. He's been killing Christians. In fact, Lord, he, the, I remember Stephen. I heard Stephen got stoned, and everybody laid their clothes at Saul's feet, and that Saul consented to his stoning. Lord, are you sure about this? And then the Lord says, Ananias, he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles for me. I've appointed him. I've chosen him. So if you look at verse number 17, you'll see as Ananias has come to him, it says, verse 17, and Ananias went his way uh, and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, that's Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, there you go, Lordship of Christ again, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. What happened? He was transformed right there. He was transformed by meeting King Jesus spiritually, and he was miraculously transformed physically. He received his sight, transformed physically, and he was then filled with the Holy Spirit, being transformed spiritually. The Spirit of God was now active in Saul's life. He was bearing witness to Saul's salvation. He was opening his eyes to the truths of the Word of God. All of a sudden, before, Saul's putting two and two together. And he's seeing how Jesus was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He sings and he's remembering Psalm 22. And he knows of how Jesus suffered on the cross. And he's realizing it's coming to his, to his mind. You know what? Again, he's connecting the dots. And he's understanding that this Jesus, who's represented at this point by the Holy Spirit of God, has come and is empowering him to preach, empowering him to heal, empowering him to go on missionary journeys, empowering him to speak the gospel, empowering him to share with people so that they are convicted of sin, and empowering him to do all the things that Saul was to do. Why? He was filled by the Spirit of God. What happened to him? He was transformed. He was transformed. Hold your finger here. Go a few pages to the right to Acts 22. Acts 22. Acts 22, verse number 14. Paul here, he, Saul is Paul. They're the same person. God changed his name. Here, he's giving a defense of the gospel before an angry mob. These people hated him. He went from town to town to city. You, you want to know why he established so many churches? Because everybody hated him. So he'd get in there and he'd preach gospel. People get saved and they'd the bad guys would come try to stone him and kill him, so he had to take off and go to the next city. So here he is in Acts chapter 22, look at verse number 14. He's given a defense, and he says this, Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one, Jesus, and hear the voice of his mouth, just like he did. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard, just like I was. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In other words, receive Jesus and allow God to transform your life. This was Paul's commissioning. 
He recounts this episode with Ananias, and Ananias was, uh, had, had done what he had done in chapter number 9, and all of a sudden, this whole episode with Ananias, Ananias really is commissioning him by put, laying his hands on him, healing him, receiving the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit of God, and now saying, now it's time to go and preach to the Gentiles. Salvation. His sins were washed away. He received his sight. He was baptized. He, he had hands laid on him in the sense that he was commissioned to go out. He was knowing uh, and going out to do God's will as an apostle. He was transformed. He was leading. Now he's being led by the Holy Spirit. He was imprisoning. Now he's a prisoner of the Lord God. He was shackled by the power of sin and Satan, and now he was set free to follow King Jesus he was killing believers, but now he has life. He was following his own will and the will of those around him. Now he's following Lord Jesus. He is seeing, he was seeing, but he was blind. And then after he came face to face with Jesus, he was blind, but now actually he saw better than ever before. He was filled with himself. Now he's filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, he was transformed. Church, this is where we need to be. Amen? We need to be transformed by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but so often uh, we get kind of complacent in our Christian walk. Y'all ever do that? Maybe it's just me. Anybody out there? Anybody in that boat with me? We used to go to, uh, sometimes we go into water parks. And uh, one of my favorite things to do at a water park, other than going down the slide that's at the, you know, at the very time, they just, it just goes, okay. I don't mind doing the ones that go round and round and round and round like that, uh, but I kind of get dizzy because I don't do circles. Then I might get sick at the end. But man, the ones that, that are way up high and they just go straight down, oh man, I love those. But that's not my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is to get on the lazy river. Amen. How many of you know what, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, I just need some lazy river time. Amen. You know? And we just get, we get on that raft or that float or whatever it is, and we just kind of, you know, and you, they got the, the, the propulsion devices just kind of pushing the water, and you're just kind of floating along, you know, floating along. Don't have a care in the world. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You're just kind of going with the flow, right? That's what a lot of believers do. They come to church on a Sunday, and they get just enough in the water, enough to get them going, that by the end of the week, they realize, okay, we're winding down right now. Oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> Get a little bit more jet propulsion in that water so we can go another week. And folks, that's not the way it should be, amen? That jet propulsion, spiritual jet propulsion, that spiritual <laughs> ought to be happening every day, all day. It's called walking in the Spirit. It's called being filled by the Spirit of God. Saul was commissioned and he was Spirit-filled and God was absolutely changing his life. Lastly, thirdly, I want you to see the dedication of Saul. The dedication of Saul. We saw the salvation of Saul. We saw the transformation, how God has just cleaned him up and getting him to do some things that he had never done before. Now the dedication of Saul. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 through 22. Scripture says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ. I, I think it's interesting that that wording is there. He preached a way. No, he preached the way. 
He preached a Christ? No, he preached who? The Christ in the synagogues. That he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving, proving, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Do you see how dedicated he was in here? Saul, first, what happened first? He believed and got baptized. He believed and got baptized. By the way, you see that theme throughout Acts. Believe, baptized, believed, baptized, believed, baptized. It was just, it, that's the, the normal approach about it. Not that baptism saves you, but baptism is an outward symbol that you are saved, amen? And if you've been baptized, you understand that. You understand how important that is. It's a proclamation to those around you that you're born again. But Saul believed and was baptized. What happened next? Saul was strengthened physically. He was strengthened spiritually. In other words, he's spending time with God as he's spending time with these disciples. He was being discipled. It says in verse 19, Saul spent some days with the disciples. What was going on? Discipleship was going on. Amen? The Great Commission was happening. Saul got saved, and then Saul was under the teaching of the disciples. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like Great Commission to me. Spent time with them listening, learning, fellowshipping, asking questions, having his questions answered, being transformed, being renewed. He was dedicated to what Jesus had already put in place. And then it says in verse number 20 that he went out. I think it's interesting here. Immediately he preached the Christ where? Where did he preach Christ? Synagogue. The very place he normally would go to to drag them out, he was going in there to take Jesus in. Isn't that great? The very place, I mean, he was going to the place where it was like the the heat of the battle to talk about Jesus, to talk about the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the synagogue, where the religious leaders were, the very ones who commissioned him to kill the Christians. Well, that that was pretty bold. But the fact here is that he went out and proclaimed the message. He went out from among the disciples. He went out from those who were Jesus' followers. He went out and said, you know what? All those people in the synagogues that I've told them this message is wrong, i got to get back in there, and i got to tell them, bless God, whoo, this message is spot on, brother. This message is right. This is the only way to get to heaven. I've been wrong all along. I've been following the wrong people all along. Let me tell you about it. I met King Jesus on the road to Damascus. Let me tell you the story. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that he tells the story over and over and over again. He went out and proclaimed the message. And then he grew in the strength of his faith and the knowledge of his God. We see that in verse number 22. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews. He's going to be sent to the Gentiles and he's also confounding the Jews who dwelt in Damascus proving that this Jesus is the Christ. What are you saying, Pastor West? I'm saying that Saul was dedicated to the mission that he now had. If you know anything about the life of Saul, i.e. Paul, you know that for the rest of his life, he gave his life to the gospel. Amen? Untold numbers came to Christ because of the Apostle Paul. 
In fact, so much so, we're talking about him here today, aren't we? 2,000 years later, he was dedicated to the things of God. He was dedicated to King Jesus. He was transformed. That's what it means to be transformed by the gospel. That's what it means to be supernaturally changed, supernaturally transformed. As we close out our message this morning, let me give you a couple of application points. Start with this first one, most important one, I believe. Every person needs a Damascus Road encounter with God. Amen? Church, listen. I hope those of you who know the Lord are praying. But listen, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you need to understand something. You're not going to heaven. And I'm telling you that out of love, not because I'm trying to be mean or I'm trying to be harsh, not at all. Because I want everybody to go to heaven. We want everyone to go to heaven. But you've got to come to the conclusion. You've got to come face to face with Christ. You've got to come to the understanding that Jesus died for you. That he rose from the dead. That he is God. And he left heaven and came to this earth. And he lived for 33 years and, and lived a sinless life because he is God. And he went to the cross and paid your sin debt. We were, uh, this past Sunday night, my wife and I went to the Hoosier One rally. Tremendous time. Oh, my goodness. I just I love Pastor Johnny and, and his messages and all. But afterwards, we went to a, a Caravas to have some dinner. And our, our server's name, his name was Chris. And I told this, a little bit, mentioned a little bit about this on Wednesday night. And Chris, you know, he did the normal server thing. Well, hey, welcome to Caravas. This is your first time here. Oh, no, we've been here before. Oh, no, you're familiar with the menu and all. So what brings you to Caravas? Well, we were just over here at a Hoosier One rally next door over here at Calvary Church. So our, I followed that up with you. Chris, do you go to church anywhere? Well, no. <laughs> I haven't been to church a whole lot, you know, but right now I'm just not really not going to church. Well, man, that's Calvary Church over here. Uh, they've got a great pastor and they're doing a marvelous work with wonderful facilities and everything. You ought to go ahead and check it out. And, uh, but then he followed that up with this. He goes, what do you mean, who's your one rally? Okay. So I went on to talk to him about it. And we told him, you know, who's your one is all about. We as believers, we're, we're praying and asking God for that one person that God has laid on our heart to share with them the gospel and to pray with them. Because we want or pray for them and, and asking God to save them because we want them to go to heaven one day. And then he followed that up with this. Well, then, sir, who's your one? Didn't he? I said, well, my, my one, his name is John. He's a neighbor of mine. His name is John. And uh, then she asked my wife who her one was, and she told him uh, that person's name, and, and uh, uh, we began to share the gospel with them. Why? Because everybody needs their Damascus Road. Because if they don't have their Damascus Road, if they don't get saved, if they don't get born again, if they don't accept Christ as their Savior, folks, listen to me. They go to hell for eternity. You're just saying that. That's what that book says. Y'all believe that book? Infallible, inerrant, word of God? Absolutely, I do too. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, would you please come to Christ today? Chris didn't come to Christ, but, but Chris knew the gospel. By the time we were done, we gave him a little invitation card, which I don't expect to see him, because I was all the way over in Clearwater. But we also gave him a grace card. 
and I made sure he understood, hey, if, if you're not sure how to go about this, what, if you forget, on the back of this card, it tells you exactly how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Chris, we want you to be able to go to heaven one day by accepting Christ. And you know what Chris said? He said, me too, because I don't want the alternative. He, you know what he's doing? He's making the connection. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, please, would you come to him today? Number two, and this is just, I'll just state this briefly, all believers need to be scripturally baptized after salvation. If you've been saved and you have not been baptized by immersion, I'm going to go ahead and just be upfront with you. You need to be baptized, amen? You do. You need to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. You need to be obedient. So I want to encourage you with that. Number three, I want to encourage you with this. I can take, you can take your faith beyond Sunday. Take your faith beyond Sunday. So many believers bring their faith to church, and when they walk out the door, they kind of hang it up on a hanger, and it sits there until the next week, and then they pick it back up again. Take your faith with you when you leave this place. Share the gospel with other people. Pray with other people. Serve other people. Do random acts of kindness for other people. Set your agenda based on God's agenda, not yours. And get involved in the things that God has laid out for you. And by the way, I want to caution, I know we have a Christian school here, I want to caution our Christian school teachers. We can sometimes get caught up in the fact that, well, I just served the Lord all week in our Christian school. And we do, we do, I'm not denying that. But it doesn't stop there, church, amen? It goes beyond that. Every day, 24-7. And number four, last thing, is simply a question. What evidence is there that I am growing in my faith? Was it pretty obvious that Saul was growing in the Lord? Whew, you better believe it. There was no doubt that man belonged to King Jesus. And he did an incredible work for God. What evidence is there of you growing your relationship with Christ? Are you sharing the gospel more now than you ever have been? Are you reading your Bible more? Is your prayer life, your devotional life, is it, is it, is it genuine? Is it, is it thriving? Is it growing? If not, maybe you need to come and rededicate your life to the Lord as Paul or Saul dedicated his life. Maybe you need that transforming power of the gospel to intervene and change our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for your patience this morning. Supernaturally changed. You can't, you can't leave, uh, receive the gospel and not be changed. Saul was radically born again. As radical as he was before when he was a terrorist, if you will, he was just as radically changed by the Spirit of God receiving Christ. Do you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? If you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You know what? If not, i got great news for you. You can take care of that right now. In the quietness of this moment, you can call out to the Lord right now, just in the quietness of your heart. Just call out to Him and say, Dear God, I know that you are holy and I know that you're, you can't allow me into heaven because I'm sinful. But God, this morning, I want to confess my sin to you. God, today I believe that Jesus is God 
I believe that Jesus died in my place and he died for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So God, as best I know how, right now, in the quietness of this moment, Lord, I ask you into my life. Please come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sin and I turn from myself and I turn to you knowing you're the only way Would you call on him right now? Believers? Are you floating down those lazy rivers of Christian life? Well, I can tell you I've been there. Sometimes they feel real good, but, uh, you know, oftentimes they lead to complacency. They lead to an uncaring spirit. they lead to a dissatisfaction where we think we're truly getting things done for God when in reality we're not because we're just floating through life maybe you need to be transformed by the spirit of God maybe you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for being wayward or being complacent maybe you need to confess to the Lord that you're not as involved as you know you ought to be when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the ministry of the local church, whatever it may be, would you come today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Bless this invitation time. Speak to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name.